Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. One of the questions that I get often from small business owners is, what do you mean by HR compliance? (laughs) And this comes from so many different people. And I think that part of it is that there's the language of using HR compliance is so like legal and kind of boring and scary that when we talk about topics that relate to HR compliance, but maybe are like more bite-sized versions, we skip over the fact that there is kind of a giant umbrella that it falls under. So starting off this year, we wanted to set a stage, I guess, for making sure that this big, scary terminology of HR compliance is defined in a way that makes sense. And also, if you have a small business, this is something that you absolutely have to pay attention to. So boiling it down to the basics and the nitty gritty of it is going to be super helpful for, you know, you don't have time to be sorting through thousands and thousands of pages of information and laws. And a lot of it isn't going to relate to your business, especially if you have under 50 employees or under 10 employees or if you work primarily online. Um, So this episode is primarily going to focus on what we mean by HR compliance, how to make sure that you're touching some of those things that you need to in order to stay on the right side of the law, stay on the up and up, so to speak, and also to kind of understand how following compliance relates directly to your company culture. So in a nutshell, HR compliance is essentially the process of ensuring that an organization of any size follows the laws and regulations related to employment and the experience of your team in the workplace, including your own experience. So it's not just legal mumbo jumbo that you can avoid or anything like that, but it's actually a preventative measure to avoid any legal issues. It also is going to touch on some of the things that we talk about all the time when we're stressing the importance of promoting a positive work environment. And of course, HR is there to protect the company. Like we're not trying to say that we're not. Um, But the reason that HR is so nuanced is because we're trying to negotiate between the employee's experience and having a good work environment and protecting the company. So one thing about paradigm is that we're always going to talk about the nuance of both. And one thing about this podcast is that we believe that you can protect your company while at the same time protecting the environment in which your team works. You can be fair in your negotiations. You can be fair in your pay. Um, you can even be really generous and you can still be acting in the best interest of your company, even if it's small. So one thing I love about working with small businesses is that you get to decide so much of of how things feel and look and sound and 
what the environment is that you are working in every single day. And you can also provide that same type of environment for your team members that maybe haven't always had the best type of work environment. And it can get a little bit nuanced because there are going to be things that are absolutely crucial for your business to function, for you to get paid enough, for your company to keep going, for you to not lose sleep at night wondering about making payroll and cash flow and all the million things that a business owner or a business leader has to worry about while still making sure that your team you know there's there's some friction between what is the best possible scenario for your team and what is be- the best possible scenario for you to operate as a business and provide a good work environment for another year, another month, another 3 months, you know, how whatever your goals are. So, I don't want to create a situation where we're binary in this. Like this thing is good for the company. This thing is good for the person. So I think that one of the ways that we can best support HR compliance within our team is awareness. And the second best way to do it is to consider ourselves one of our employees so that we are creating policies that benefit us as an employee. And as a result, we're always going to be biased in creating the best possible situation that we can follow the same policies and protocols and things like that, that we're holding other people to those standards. So I'm not talking about nitty gritty little baby things like, well, I should be able to take time off if I want to, or I should be able to make my own schedule. Like I'm not talking about those types of behaviors. Your employees are going to have to operate within the functionality of what your business requires. And as a business owner, or as a leader, you aren't going to have to you know, request time off from yourself and things like that. Um, you have taken on quite a big responsibility as a leader, as a business owner, to be able to be trusted to make those decisions for yourself. So when we talk about being treated by the company in such a way, then I'm not talking about those little things, although those are going to feel really important to your team. So don't get caught up in that. You know, I've had a lot of clients that I know maybe it sounds silly, but I've had a lot of clients that have asked the question like, well, do I have to follow these same like policies, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just that's just not the case. Like, don't don't get wrapped up in like, well, if my team's getting I want to make sure I take three weeks off a year. So my team has to have three weeks off a year. That's all true. And it comes from the best of intentions. But when you're creating your policies, if you are looking at it as a blanket of making sure that you're following what's legally required of the way that you can run your business and and still be productive and still make money, then it's going to create a set of guidelines for behavior as a result of following that compliance, which is a great first start. And then you can use that foundation to build on top of to create your culture. So we're not diving too far into the cultural stuff today. We're really going to just set the foundation for what you need on the compliance side. So these are often often the things that don't sound super fun. And they're also, this isn't going to be like a, now you know how to do it. It's more because I want, and when we do orientations as well, we also try to say the same line that we're not bringing you through all of your company policies today. I'm not bringing you through a lot of the definitive forms of HR compliance today in order to have you check things off a list and memorize it. But just to draw your attention to the existence of some of these things as a small business owner so that they can feel familiar so that you can make sure that you are working to operate under the guidance of what's required of you legally. Um, I don't know if compliantly is the right word, so I'll try not to use that. But (laughs) So basically when we're 
shaking all of this out, um, we're going to talk about a couple different things. So first, we kind of covered a little bit of what HR compliance is, but we're going to talk about where that lives within your business. We're going to talk about how labor laws fit into that. We're going to talk a little bit about transparency and pay, because that's something that has come up over the last couple of years, making sure that you have a transparent um, set of salary bands in order to meet the qualifiers for different states that you may have employees. And we're also going to touch a couple for a couple minutes at the end on businesses that maybe do not always off, offer remote work or are essentially remote a lot of the time or anything like that, but more in-person businesses and just a tiny bit on some of the other laws or you know, something that you have to be aware of when it comes to running bigger businesses. So if you are an HR department of one or if you work in HR in a bigger company, um, over 50 employees, hundreds of employees, thousands of employees, this is still a really helpful episode to make sure that you get kind of the general overview um, and we'll make it quick and easy and not super painful. But there is going to be a few things that we're not going to cover because they're likely not going to be that relevant to most of our listeners here. Um, Okay, so one of the things that we want to touch on is how and where your compliance lives. And in this case, your HR compliance is going to live generally in within your company policies and also on the back end, so the way in which you operate. So the way that we help our businesses to meet all these standards is by utilizing our employee handbook to ensure that we have relevant laws and regulations, as well as state-by-state addendums based on the state in which the employee lives. So we update these at least once a year, um, sometimes more often, depending on how often laws are changing. So given that, depending on when you're listening to this episode, we're releasing the first week of January, there is a host of new laws and regulatory issues that are coming up that even over the previous couple months we've been planning for with our clients. So keeping in mind that if you have a really strategically organized and customized employee handbook, then it can do a lot for you in regards to meeting every single standard that you have to hit in regards to HR compliance, especially for those things that are written down. Um, The one thing that I will say about an employee handbook is that you can for sure go and download them online or download them from your payroll company or whatever the case may be. But just make sure that you understand every policy in there because the employee handbook is going to be more about the the ways that you have to show up for your team and company and also a little bit about how what your company, you know, what your employees need to do in regards to like codes of conduct and things like that. But for a lot of this HR compliance purpose, so we're again not digging into the world of culture just yet. Those handbook policies are going to be a really solid guideline for you to understand what you are allowed to do and the commitments that you're making towards your team. So I'd rather you not have an employee handbook at all than to have one that you don't fully understand. Um, So that's one of the reasons that we build our employee handbooks for our clients from scratch. Secondly, we want to make sure that we're keeping in mind the labor laws that come into play when you are operating a remote business. So ideally, the way that we're trained in HR is that your handbook is going to be based on where the company is based. So it's the most permanent option. You want to create a handbook that is going to only change by 
you know, legal standards or things like that. And you can make small changes in it throughout the year, but you want it to be kind of a pillar of your business where it doesn't really change. Um, except for if it has to, essentially by by labor laws. There's going to be very few times, especially if you're thoughtful about how you're putting your handbook together, that you are going to have to go out of your way to change a little policy or something like that here and there. So the way we generally create them is to have them be something that is a pillar within your company that alters and changes a little bit, usually every year or if you hire somebody um, and you have a small team of maybe one or two employees, then at least your handbook should review be reviewed yearly where laws might change the language in the handbook, especially things like, you know, your um, way that you're operating your overtime pay or, you know, a few things that we're going to talk about a little bit later here today. So getting those annual HR audits done is going to be crucial in making sure that you're following all of your HR compliance, especially if you're one of our clients. Um, secondly, we do want to make sure that we're drawing awareness to the fact that although your handbook may be built for the state in which you operate, there is likely going to be additional state laws that you have to follow depending on where you have a team. So this is primarily for those small remote teams. If you have an employee in Texas, California, you know, Florida, New York, um, Nebraska, Colorado, any literally, if you just have a, an employee in another state, you have to make sure that you're aware of the compliance regulations surrounding that state. So in every single state, there are different rules about the way that you pay someone their final paycheck, for example, or how you deal with jury duty if they get summoned. And the last thing you want to do is be in the middle of a launch and have your business have an employee that is getting called in for jury duty and you know, don't know how to deal with it. So ironing out those details on your company side, so the basis in your employee handbook or where, however you keep your compliance updated, but then also having a resource that is up to date with how to deal with a specific person. And this could be down to the city that they live in. So if they, you know, you might have a employee in New York, but New York City has a completely different minimum wage law than upstate New York. Or you might even have an employee that works in New York but lives in New Jersey. So that means that you have to be able to understand what your legal requirements are based on what the job classification of the person is and where they live. So it's really, really complicated. So figuring out what compliance to follow is going to be your first step. And then keeping it somewhere where it can kind of live and be updated yearly or when you hire someone is going to be the second thing. And we recommend doing that in a custom employee handbook. One thing I do want to touch on is payroll. Even over the last 10, 12, 15 years that I've been around, payroll systems have developed so much into being really helpful in assisting on the day-to-day of keeping your compliance up to date. So just, you know, finishing off in December, there are a bunch of notices and things like that that you have to hand out to your team. And back in the day, <laughs> we used to have to physically download and print and send out these notices to each of our employees. Now our payroll system can often be enacted to solve those problems for us. So essentially, you can go and, and check out our previous episodes to learn a little bit more about year-end compliance. But realistically, your payroll system isn't your HR compliance team. Payroll compliance is a whole other beast. So I'm sure those of you listening out there that are primarily in charge of 
of payroll, payroll compliance, um, even accountants or CPAs, tax people, you understand that there is a whole other system of things that you have to follow when it comes to payroll. We hear a lot of I guess, misinformation that, oh, who does your HR or who helps you with your HR or whatever. And they'll say, oh, I use Gusto or, oh, I use Rippling or whatever the case may be. And that's not HR compliance. That's generally going to be payroll compliance. So yes, of course, those those services that are offered through those companies can be helpful in regards to meeting HR compliance standards. But let's not like get it twisted. Um, your HR person should know each of your individuals on your team. They should know where they live. They should know their history, um, things like that. So payroll can be, if you have an, a really great payroll system, it can kind of check off those things that you don't even know that you have to be doing. There are easy, even going to be super strict regulations in how you deliver things like W-2s and things like that at the end of each year. And your payroll system likely will be taking care of that for you, which previously I would have to print out a spreadsheet, sign out people's W-2s, get them to sign off on a waiver to let me email it to them, you know, things like that. So I think it's really cool that payroll systems have these features and it helps small businesses in a lot of ways because you don't have to be so aware of some of those things that Previously, your HR accounting team would have to do in a very specific timeline in a really specific way in order to protect your employees' information. So while payrolls, we really encourage our clients and people that we work with to use a payroll company that that we recommend, um, something that makes our job easier as, <laughs> as a consultant, um, because a lot of those nitty gritty little things are going to be met a lot easier using um, the payroll team. However, Again, it's not the same thing as HR compliance. They're not going to be able to run your business in an HR compliant way um, without the necessary information that you need in order to, to meet these standards. So I just want to talk really quickly through a few of the things that you may not be aware that they exist, but are incredibly important when it comes to you meeting those, those basic standards of HR compliance. So one thing that is often overlooked is the equal employment opportunity laws. And the reason that I bring this up is that it is really important for you as an employer to understand that your team has retains the rights that come with the equal employment opportunity laws. So you have to be aware of what they are. Most employers are going to be fully within compliance about all of these laws. I mean, some of these are um, the civil rights act, <laughs> you know, things like that, that probably you're like, well, obviously, like I'm following all of those types of standards. But there's other things too, like the ADA laws. So the Americans with Disabilities Act and ways that you have to interact with your team members if they need some type of accommodation. HR will help you with that. HR compliance, making sure your handbook outlines what should happen should something go down um, when it comes to needing some type of accommodation for a disability, whether it's temporary or permanent disability or chronic illness. Um, age discrimination is a big one lately because we have five different generations that are in the workforce. So the way that you interact with your applicants can be a really big deal. You are also at 
the mercy of equal employment opportunity laws, even when it comes to posting a job description. Um, Making sure that your company fits the standards of equal pay is also something that's really important. So while most of our clients and many of our listeners are saying, yes, of course, like we want to have a diverse and inclusive business model. We want to make sure that it's equitable. We have so many women that we work with. Obviously, we're advocating for ourselves, um, but we also want to make sure that we are on the up and up in regards to equal pay across, you know, multiple, multiple different marginalized identities. But what you may not know is that you are required to make sure that you're following all these laws, not just from the employment process, but also for the hiring process. So people that aren't even a member of your team yet. And the other thing that I always want to just touch on really quickly when it comes to equal employment opportunity is if you have nothing else, then make sure that you have an equal employment opportunity policy that you have people sign off on or that you're committed to and they are aware of. And it's posted somewhere like in your Slack channel or something like that. So in our first hire starter pack, you can get a couple of options for what one of those might look like. And we'll link that in the show notes. But if you have no other policies in your company, you're just getting started and curious about what HR compliance looks like, the best possible case is that you have a handbook that will outline all of these things for you and also draw your awareness to what to do in certain situations. However, we do want to make sure that the very, very, very most basic things are being hit and that you are committing to equal employment opportunity for anyone that applies within your company. Um, the other, a cu- there's a couple of other sets of laws that we refer back to a lot in HR, which I'm not going to get too into, but I just want to kind of graze over them so that you have a general awareness of their existence. So we are often quoting the Fair Labor Standards Act or the FLSA. So a lot of times people will refer back to that when it comes to labor or, um, employment law and things like that. And it's while it is old, it still stands. Um, and it's generally just updated year over year. This is going to include things like minimum wage and overtime pay requirements that are from the federal standard, um, as well as record keeping laws. So you have to make sure that you're keeping track of the hours that are worked for your hourly employees, which means that you are actually charting down the hours that they work week, week over week. Um, especially when you have hourly employees that don't meet the minimum salary expectation. Now, keep in mind that the FLSA is a federally uh, regulated, well, it's a federal, it's federal regulation. So that means that you'll have to still pay attention to the state, county, and city that your employees live in, not just where your company is registered in order to make sure that you're compliant. Employee classification is one of the things that people come to us the most for. So and then accidentally come to us for. So I've seen, you know, a lot of weird stuff on Instagram about I pay my people the same salary every single week. Um, but that's really not because I don't want to deal with them clocking in and out or because I'm being a really flexible and good boss or, you know, whatever the case may be. And we are going to talk a little bit more about why that may be shooting yourself in the foot a little bit later on. Um, Of course, if you can meet minimum salary standards and you have people working 40 or more hours a week, then that's great. Um, But realistically, we want to make sure that people are getting paid for the time they're putting in for their job. So when they work more, they get paid more. When they work less, they get paid less unless there's a really solid functional salaried position in which they work the same amount of hours each week, clock in the same general timeframes each week and are paid basically for 
their time where they may have to take a call when they're not sitting at their desk, things like that. So employee classification is something that we have talked about previously on the podcast, but just keep in mind that you can't just say, I'm going to pay you $500 a week and call it an employee. Um, You definitely have to make sure that you are meeting the standards in which the employee lives and that you're classifying them correctly, whether they are an employee or an independent contractor. So we do have some episodes about that that you can listen to. We also have blogs, but a lot of times our consultation, so just filling out our contact form, will give us the opportunity to walk through whether or not your team needs to be classified as an employee or they can stay an independent contractor. States like California um, are actually going to be where you have somebody working even as a day of assistant or something like that are going to have to be classified as an employee, especially if you're indicating any type of the type of business that they're working, the quality of work that they're doing, how they're how they're performing their work, things like that. Whereas in other states, particularly Georgia, is very is not very strict when it comes to stuff like this. Um, so, but you still have to follow the IRS standards. So keep in mind that classifying your employees and independent contractors correctly is a cornerstone to making sure that your business is HR compliant. And the answer to most of those questions of if they should be an employer or contractor is it depends. <laughs> so keep in mind that hiring an hiring somebody that can help you to decide whether or not they're an employer contractor, somebody like us, or an attorney that specializes in this in the state in which that employee lives is a great way to go. Just keep in mind that oftentimes attorneys can advise on things, but they're going to be really hardcore, deep experts in the jurisdiction in which they are licensed, whereas us as HR professionals are able to speak to these issues and we span the gamut. So we can talk about how they interact with different states because there isn't as much expertise that goes into one specific area when it comes to HR. Our job is to serve the company as a whole. So any any way that you can use us, like we're here for you, um, and making sure that you're distinguishing between whether people should be employees or independent contractors is a really great way to kick off an HR compliant discussion. If, for example, you have an independent contractor that you're struggling to manage or you're not sure how much to pay, my initial reaction is always going to be, well, contractors aren't meant to be managed and contractors are going to tell you how much that you're going to pay them. So if you're thinking about performance reviews or training or anything like that, they're most likely going to be classified as an employee. So it gives you a lot more control over how and when and why and what they do and how they behave and how they interact. So if you need to make sure that you have consistency across the board when it comes to the way that your clients are interacted with or the way that your team is managed, those are going to be employees. Okay, so I could do a whole podcast about that. So just keep in mind that not only are we talking about employee classification between contractors and employees, but we're also talking about whether they are classified as exempt or non-exempt for overtime. So if you're allowed to pay them a salary for you know, like a retainer kind of feeling week over week, especially if they're classified as an employee, what does that look like? When would that be okay? How much should that be? You know, whether or not that should be considered a salary. For example, you can't, um, you, there are states like California or New York or, you know, pretty much anywhere on the coast is going to have a higher salary threshold, which means that you're not just going to meet the federal labor law standards, 
in order to pay somebody a general salary for 40 hours of work a week, not having them clock in and out, not having to chart their time, things like that. Um, so just keep in mind that if you want somebody to be working on a salaried basis, they'll have to meet a higher minimum. So I think last time I checked in New York, right, like don't write this down, <laughs> but basically um, it was like $56,000 a year was the minimum standard for somebody to be exempt, meaning that they don't clock in and out, they don't get overtime. So keep in mind that that type of classification is important as well. Um, and I'm not going to say that there are ways around it, but there are ways to create job opportunities within your company that meet the standards that they need to meet without, you know, being super annoying or being really weighing on you in regards of the work, the way that the work is being done or the way that you're having to clock their time. Okay, so anti-harassment, anti-discrimination policies are also a huge part of HR compliance. I'm just going to list over a couple of other ways that HR compliance can affect your business. Um, immigration laws, so who and how you're hiring them and where, um, how they're able to show the right type of documentation and who is able to actually review that documentation. Your employee benefits compliance, so not all benefits or perks that you give your employees are are legally allowed. Um, and also, they may not be tax deductible. So you do need to make sure that you are paying attention to how you are administering benefits. Privacy laws in regards to protecting our employees' information. When we hire employees, they are trusting us to protect their information and make sure that we're not releasing that information out into the world. So having secure documentation systems is really, really important to making sure that you're following HR compliance, um, as well as records retention. So even if you decide, hey, like I had this employee for a while, now I'm going to go solo, whatever the case may be, you do still have to retain the records of your employees, including information about their separation, termination, time off, sick leave, stuff like that. Um, because oftentimes we can get subpoenaed or just have, you know, different types of interactions within the legal system that will require us to provide this information up to a certain amount of time. I think the most I've seen is six years. So regardless, and that's not just like whatever, like in any state that you live in, you have to retain information about the people that you've hired. It's one of the ways that the government keeps tabs on us. <laughs> so they're very passionate about it. Um, and then, of course, we want to make sure that we are tracking any training or development or any type of investment like that that we're making in our employees, because it's really important that we're able to justify and show um, the type of in engagement and interaction we have with our employees, especially if we decide to separate from them. So one of the biggest reasons that people seek out HR is because they have to let somebody go and they don't want to get in trouble. And it's always a huge bummer for us because it puts us in a situation to be fully focused on the, the company's uh, protection versus also protecting the employee's rights. So if you've gotten to a point where you already want to let somebody go, we can definitely help you do that and try to set you up to have the best experience possible. But oftentimes that means that we've missed the boat in regards to making sure that we can have a compassionate termination because all of that starts in the beginning. It starts in the onboarding process. It starts in the communication that lead up to you getting to the point where you need to let somebody go. 
And with the expense of replacing an employee up to 400% their annual salary, we do want to make sure that we're taking that seriously because it's probably not even something that you realize is going on. So if you have to replace a position a lot of times, then just keep in mind that that's very costly. So it's in your best interest to do everything that you can to ensure that you are retaining the employees that you're recruiting and onboarding. Because not only is that a huge expense, but it's also a huge emotional labor, especially working in a small business and having to navigate, having different personalities and employees working within your business at any given time. So I promised that at the end of the podcast, I'm going to touch on two little things that come for in-person businesses and one other kind of generalized thing that you might hear about. And so if this isn't relevant to you, if you don't have an in-person working place or a bigger workplace, um, in-person working place, in-person workplace or a a larger company, um, just skip like, you know, two minutes forward or so. But essentially what we want to touch on here is that OSHA is the way, so it's Occupational Safety and Health Administration. It is the way that the government ensures that we're providing healthy workspaces for employees. So if you think back to like, you know, factory working conditions, things like that. Um, We want to make sure that we're always ensuring a safe and healthy work environment when you have an in-person workplace. So there are safety standards that you have to hit when you have it, when you have an in-person business. This isn't generally going to fall under the category of HR, but often it gets kind of shoved over into the category of HR because many small businesses might have an HR person, but they may not have a safety officer or something like that. So keeping in mind that it may be your responsibility to ensure a safe and healthy workplace. Okay. And then the National Labor Relations Act is talking about if you've ever heard about people forming unions and things like that. So I'm not going to talk too much about that on this podcast, but I do just want to touch on the fact that that is something that can happen and it can actually affect how you may be able to manage your employees and their rights. So if people come together and organize and form a union, there are a lot of protections um, that are in place to allow people to do that and allow employees to do that to kind of unify and create a union that represents them. So there are teachers unions, there are unions within big businesses, things like that. So if you ever look up something about, um, you know, National Labor Relations Act or labor movements or anything along those lines, you're going to find a lot of information about unions. So likely, you know, if you've listened this far, That is something that you need to pay attention to. And if your company has a union, you'll want to make sure that any of the policies, procedures, or practices that you are implementing are going to go in line with the requirements for the union. And you'll often have a labor union representative that you can go to if you have questions. So it is super important for HR pros, but also generally business owners to stay informed about changes in labor laws and regulations to ensure ongoing compliance. Non-compliance can lead to legal consequences, financial penalties, and it can really damage your company's reputation. So if there are if there are things that you're not 100% sure about, we do encourage you to make sure that you have your HR covered before you ever hire your first employee. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have an HR person on your team. So we've created some really amazing resources for small business owners because I didn't have them in the last decade and plus <laughs> that I've been working in operations and HR for small business. So we've created a couple of really 
honestly amazing ways to go about handling all of your compliance while still making sure that you're covering your company's ass and making sure that you are protecting your employees' experience. You being one of your company's employees as well, your experience does matter. So at the end of the day, make sure that this isn't going to be the end-all be-all in regards to the laws that you're following, but just to draw your attention to the things that are actually legally obligated by you to follow and make sure that you are hitting. So with this new year, we're starting, you know, everybody's got new energy. We're going to the gym. We're doing, we're eating right. We're not drinking. We're going on a cleanse, you know, whatever the case may be. Just make sure that you are also thinking about the ways that you can set up the foundation for your business so that you can sleep a little bit better at night knowing that you're hitting all of these all these little pieces along the way. And I say this with like the most kindness. (laughs) We want to talk to you before you get in trouble. So make sure that you're hopping over to our website and filling out the contact form so that we can send you an invitation to hop on a free consult call and see how you're doing in some of these areas and how we can best support you that makes sense for you financially as well. In the meantime, if you're getting ready to hire your first hire, hop over to the Set to Scale shop and download our first hire starter pack. It's going to give you some kind of helpful information on how to get somebody onboarded. It's like the minimum viable option when it comes to hiring your first employee, um, including an equal opportunity, um, equal employment opportunity clause and things like that that you want to adhere to. And then also check out our free resources on our website, including our prior to the hire guide, considering some of the things that you have to do in order to make sure that you are setting up the basics in regards to your HR compliance when you're bringing somebody on board. Other than that, it was so great reuniting with everybody. Happy New Year. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Talk to you next week. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.